Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. Yeah, are you? I'm Tom Merritt. Well, Sword and Laser, I think many things about that, Tom, but mostly I think that Sword and Laser is a book club, sure. but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of sci-fi and fantasy, and of course, all those amazing discussions from fans, just like you. You, not, not them. Specifically you. Just you. I am having a drink. What are you having? I'm having a scotch. Ooh, it, what kind of scotch? Hakushu from Suntory. Oh, I well, I am having a whiskey. Ooh, what kind of whiskey? I am having a uh, a whiskey from Nika Whiskey, which is the uh, Takatsuru Pure Malt, twelve year. Nice. I probably said that poorly. So I it's apologize a scotch to any also, Japanese then. speakers. Nice. I mean scotch because they're both Japanese. Is it a Okay, it's it not. Is it a Scotch whiskey or is it just a? I think it's just a malt whiskey. I think I don't. I know. think you can still colloquially call it Scotch. We'll let our liquor experts in the audience. Don't pretend like you're not there. Email us and tell us the difference. Yes, please do. It is a single malt whiskey. Yeah, that is. I don't it is know a that they can call it a Scotch in their marketing, but it's essentially the same as a Scotch. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, so I guess we're being uh, Japanese tonight. Hi. Or at least in our in our, our drinking. Yes. Uh, mine came from Japan. Eileen brought it back when she went there. Oh, that's nice. Trip. Yeah. Did she? She obviously checked luggage. Then. She did. She did. Good. Good. All right. Well, let's hop into the quick. I got some shocking news. <laughs> What is your shocking news? Goodness. Uh, George R. Martin says the ending of Game of Thrones, the Song of Ice and Fire series, will be bittersweet. Shocking. Oh, really? Oh, that, that makes me nervous. <laughs> I mean, everything about Game of Thrones should make all of us nervous at any given time. Um, but that is that this is particularly nerve wracking. He was uh, speaking at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism in their Hall mm-hmm. of Achievement. <laughs> apparently is where he was. Uh, so mm-hmm. he did a Q&A section and uh, he said, sure, we all yearn for happy ender- endings in a sense. Myself, I'm attracted to the bittersweet ending. People ask me how Game of Thrones is going to end and I'm not going to tell them. But I always say to expect something bittersweet in the end, like Tolkien. You can't just fulfill a request and then pretend life is perfect. Life doesn't work that way. Well, I mean, can any life be perfect? Can just like a little bit of this life be perfect? Because in his world, nobody's life is even close to perfect. Yeah, what does bittersweet all mean of the time? to George R. R. Martin? So maybe a, a totally new and inventive way to write the story would to be have a cheerful ending. Right, where Wouldn't that be nice? Daenerys that meets be a nice, a nice man, settles down. A nice, handsome man. He's not crazy. He's not her half-brother. He's just a nice guy with good prospects. There you go. You know, maybe he owns a shop. <laughs> maybe they open up a little B&B together. Yeah. You know, not too far dragons. north, but not, you know, 
but it's but it's pretty. You know, they summer in the north and they they winter in the south. Yeah. Winter is coming. Well, let's go south. For winter a is years. coming after all. Just go, just go south for a while. Yeah. Spend some time in King's Landing. Whatever. Uh, exactly. No big deal. That's. I think we know how how Game of Thrones is going to end now. It's kind of. It's a little bittersweet. It's called the Dragons Inn. <laughs> That's nice. That's a nice. That's thought. a nice thought. Uh, hey, we have the uh, winners of the 2015 Chinese Nebula Awards. Um, yeah, which is I did not realize that China had their Nebula Awards. These launched in 2010. Uh, they are akin to the Hugo Awards. They are the the awards uh, for science fiction. They took place in Chengdu, uh, capital of the Sichuan province, and no winner of best novel. Yeah, I'm I'm a little confused. I don't really understand why. It doesn't explain it in this. It IO9 doesn't explain it either about it either. There's also no award for best short film. Which also seems strange, yeah, and mysterious. But I guess if they don't get enough votes, then nobody wins. Uh, I don't know. The best novelette went to *The Ravenous* by Zhang Ron. Best short story coming of *The Light* by Chen Kufan. And apologies to Chinese people who actually know how to pronounce these names properly. <laughs> Doing my best. Uh, and uh, uh, Liu Cixin, who *The Three Body Problem* uh, Hugo Award winner, uh, won a Lifetime Achievement Award. But not best novel. No, because I think he had already. That was just translated. Right, because it had been out years ago year. in China, so it was only the translation mm. that won the Hugo here. That's pretty interesting. I'm I'm very curious to know why that happened. If any of our listeners out there know what's up with that, with the best novel, please being let vacant. us know. Yeah, yeah, let us know at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Curious and curiouser. Now, this isn't really science fiction and fantasy book although there are a lot of books written in this world but wow did people on goodreads go crazy about the news that cbs is going to make a new star trek tv series i'm excited about this. i'm excited about this but people are also kind of weird about it because it's not is it is it tv or is it going to be in there like web stuff <sighs> yeah web stuff who would do a <laughs> web tv show <laughs> veronica <laughs> That sigh was so heavy with meaning. <laughs> like I saw you do that sigh and you were smiling, but it just felt like the weight of the world was on your shoulders when you well, did that Well, here's the thing. Uh, let me try to sum this up. So if, for those who don't know, the new Star Trek series, uh, which will be headed up by Alex Kurtzman, uh, who formerly did The Fringe, he worked on the Star Trek movies, uh, will come to CBS for its premiere on, on the channel, on the network, CBS. Mm -hmm. But then subsequent episodes will only be available for CBS All Access, which is CBS's app that you can either get on your web browser, but also on the Roku uh, and on the Apple TV. And okay. you pay $6 a month for it. So it's like Hulu or Netflix, but it's run by CBS. And what it, it also gives you access to your local channel streams in some markets, gives you access to a bunch of CBS programming, both new and old. And it was interesting to me because when I saw this, I'm like, what a big deal for cord cutting. CBS is bringing a premier property. And instead of like shoving it onto the CW or into syndication, they're taking it to the web where our Star Trek fans live and saying, hey, we know a way to get people to subscribe to our service. Give them Star Trek. This is this is their house of cards moment, I think, to myself. Oh, you hope to yourself. And, then the, and well, that they're right. not just shoveling it That's off into side the of it too. CBS backyard. But then the internet responds with, 
I have to pay $6 a month to watch Star Trek. Boo this network. <laughs> and I, I just don't see it that way. To me, it's like, well, they're making a show. Well, of course you don't see it that way. You are a cord cutter. This is what you do. You are happy when big but brands did anyone, decide did to make television boo, that's not on television. Did they boo House of Cards or Orange is the New no, Black? No, because, because neither of those, House of Cards, you know, granted, did have a pre-existing television thing going on in the UK, so it did have some Arrested Development? There. But yes, I, I think that maybe people were a little kerfuffled, if that's the incorrect word, which probably is whatever, about... Uh, a little their feathers were ruffled Mm -hmm. how about that is that better their feathers were ruffled because yeah i mean there's still some feelings about television i don't know maybe i'd rather pay 75 dollars a month to get cable to get star trek than six dollars a month that i could cancel i mean sure i get that (laughs) that's not i mean people who already have television and who aren't cord cutters are probably a little miffed that they have to pay extra on top of their regular cable charge they're not going to cut the cord just so they can watch star trek but they pay for netflix feel like they save some money do they? Maybe. A lot of them do. I I think it's do. a matter of perception. I'm just being devil's advocate. I think it's a matter yeah. of perception. And you're doing a very good job, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's it's a matter of, of coming at it as, hey, we have a service that you can pay for and we, you know, we put shows on it. That's how we view Netflix. Like, oh, the narcos and and now they're they've 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 got house of, another season of House of Cards and and oh, they've got the Ellie Kemper uh, uh show, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and all this cool stuff. Maybe I'll subscribe, maybe I'll stay subscribed because I like these shows. HBO Now. I'm going to pay to get these shows because they're awesome shows. But for some reason, because it's CBS, and even though most people pay for CBS, they don't think about it that way because it is free over the air. And so they feel like they're getting ripped off. But you're not. Honestly, I think it's like a legacy thing. I feel like we grew up watching Star Trek on television. And so the idea of it not necessarily being on real television is bothersome to people. Myself and kind of included, frankly. CBS All Access was called like columbia net <laughs> or no if or they were debuting this on netflix or amazon prime yeah. or on something that i'm already wrapped up into or hulu for that matter i'd be fine yeah. i'd be like okay cool well, i already use these things i already pay for these things now i have to pay for another stupid if it was one a by new cbs competitor to netflix that we did not associate with cbs and they said our launch title will be star trek everybody be like well that's interesting but because it's well, that's kind of what's happening. I think we're just annoyed happening. that it's CBS. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, Anyway, what we should thanks, really Robin be Tom annoyed at that. is that we don't know whether this is going to be in the next generation universe or a prequel mm-hmm. or where they have said it's not going to relate to the movie coming out soon. Correct. It's not. It's not tied into the new movie. But, but they haven't said anything else. I I feel like because it's CBS and because Viacom owns the movies that it is likely to be in the TNG universe because CBS owns the next generation in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So I, I feel pretty confident about that, but where Woo. in the timeline, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who's to say? I guess we'll have to subscribe to CBS's stupid app to watch we the show We had one guy right in, the, I think, the Cord Killers, who said, uh, I'm going to wait until the season is over, then subscribe to CBS All Access and binge all the episodes and then unsubscribe. There you go. Pay for it for a month and get there out. You go. Uh, in non-Star Trek news from Tomahome, uh, Amazon has opened its first brick-and-mortar store up in Seattle, and uh, they're basing the the books that they stock in the store on on data pulled from from Amazon.com. So it's kind of like you don't have to. I think the 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 
the practice here is that the bookstore isn't going to stock things that will never be sold. So they're kind of testing to see how this new model works. Yeah, and don't forget they're Amazon. So anything they Amazon, don't they have sell, billions they just of truck up the road dollars. to the huge warehouse and they sell it to someone in Ottawa or something. Uh, yeah. So I, I think this is really interesting, though, because I've been waiting for Amazon to move into brick and mortar at some point to say, look, we have warehouses full of things. People like to buy things from us. How do we make a nice place for people to buy things? And of course, Amazon started selling books, so it makes sense for them to start a retail environment selling books. Mm -hmm. It's in a college area of Seattle, uh, so there's there's certainly some some built-in customers who want to come in and, and buy books. I don't know if they're going to specifically do textbooks or not. I don't think they are. Yeah, but. and you know, I'm 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 fascinated that they're not going to be a place where you can pick up Amazon orders yet. So you can't order on the website and then go get it at the store. I bet you will be able to eventually. And also, they're not going to showcase Amazon publishing imprints. So, like, if you publish on Amazon, you can't buy your book there. I mean, but that's well, you, so many you people could. that'd be virtually impossible. Yeah, but you can't. If it you got can't famous enough, that you will. Right. right. Uh, we also. Oh, by the way, I wanted to thank Rob and Tamahome for both. Typing new Star Trek TV show almost at the same time that. on Goodreads. Oh, did really? I not, did, did you say that already? Okay, good. I, well, I said thank you to them, um, but you were also still talking. So Alex whatever. said uh, <laughs> it looks like The Expanse is going to get a digital premiere starting November 23rd. So The Expanse, of course, a sci-fi network television show based on the novels by James S.A. Corey in The Expanse universe, like Leviathan Wakes will be the first season. Uh, what they're going to do, is on November 23rd, make the first episode available pretty much everywhere you can think of. Uh, Sci-fi.com, Hulu, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, iTunes, PlayStation, Xbox, Facebook, and YouTube. Facebook! Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to watch that first episode on November 23rd. Then you'll be able to see the premiere on December 14th and December 15th, the special two-night premiere. And of course, Tamahome uh, wrote in response to this, that's just what Captain Jim Holden would do. Stream it to all the planets before it's time. I'm excited about this. I got invited to the premiere showing thing in L.A. And I obviously can't go because I live here. If only there was some way I could transfer that invitation to you. Ugh, what a world we live in. Mm. What a sad world. That's interesting. I didn't know I, didn't I really know that. bet Tom would want to go to that. Mm. Hmm. That's fine. I'll just watch it on Facebook. <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm, I can't wait for the I show. I can't wait for the show either. Uh, I can't wait. And I haven't even read all the books like you. I have read all of the things they've written. I know. It's almost like they should have invited you instead of me. They should have known that. Really? That would have been the good I mean, thing for know. them to do. I'm not, I'm mm. not greedy. I'm not no, proud. I'm also greedy. not proud. Yeah, that doesn't suit you. It doesn't I'd suit take you. A it doesn't suit you. <laughs> oh, hey, guess what? We mentioned this. Uh, did we talk about this during this show, or did we talk about this in the pre-show that we forgot that Daniel Craig was in his Dark Materials? We talked about that in the pre-show. The Golden Compass. Yes. Okay, so um, his Dark Materials is going to be a BBC One drama series, and I'm excited because. I've been excited about a lot of stuff in this episode. It's becoming a crutch word. Um, I'm thrilled about this yeah, because I, I love the series, the book series, of course. Everyone does. But the movie was so disappointing to so many people. But I think I think BBC One could do it, right? I didn't think the movie was horrible. 
It was bad. It was not was bad. bad. No, it was not bad. Roger was heckling the Roger movie. Roger hates in everything. A, in a theater. He was heckling the movie. Yeah. Well, Roger heckles me in person. Yeah, but in public? Yes, sometimes. Okay. All right. Uh, but no, it probably wasn't good either. And yet, Philip Pullman says... It's been a constant source of pleasure to me to see this story adapted to different forms. It's been a radio play, a stage play, a film, an audiobook, a graphic novel, and now comes this version for television. So he is taking a much more positive approach of, let's not say we're writing a great wrong. Let's say we're just an, adding another format to the Pantheon. Let's not dwell on the past. We're not here to talk about let's the past. L- let's look forward let's, into the future. Let's start speculating on who will be cast as Lyra. Yes. That's the fun Aria, part. Aria, 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 Aria. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. She's Although, getting you know, old, though. I mean, I'm going to say not, something I'm sorry, very unpopular. I'm sorry, Maisie Williams. You are totally not getting old. She's she's like 18. But yeah, I mean, but, she might be too old for Lyra at this point. Okay. I'm going to say something very unpopular. I'm going to say something very unpopular. You're not giving me I your invite to The Expanse? I did not like her... In Doctor Who. Oh, oh, you just said that. Oh, I said that. Wow. I liked her in the first episode. Ah, I did not like her. You didn't her like her when she got the, attitude. Yeah. I didn't like her. I felt like she was overacting. And maybe that's something that just happens in Doctor Who sometimes. But like. Well, Veronica, oh. I thought she was great. Yeah, but you also like Clara. Am I overacting? So. <laughs> whoa, whoa, you did not just say that. Whoa, whoa, all these things are happening all like, at once. Like, I'll whoa. let you, I will let you say you didn't like Maisie Williams because, okay, two episodes and you liked half of them. And the second one, to be honest, it was fun, but it wasn't the greatest episode ever anyway. But I do like Clara. The most recent episode, I think, was really good. Yes. I think she did a very good job in the most recent episode. Who, Clara? Yes. Hmm. That's very nice of you to... Th- say very generous thank you i'm trying i'm trying so hard to be generous uh, you right know now. who else is trying hard sandra and sandra's doing a yes. great job uh posting things for us to read on the show in the goodreads quick burns thread you know i was thinking about this we should probably make a new thread for 2016 that would that would just make so a lot we, of sense. we can clear things yeah. out but thanks to everybody who posts these hey rob rob remember to do that if we forget <laughs> note thank to rob. you <laughs> Uh, Note to the robberator. Sandra uh, pointed out that the 2015 World Fantasy Award winners have been announced, and I actually read the winner, David Mitchell's The Bone Clocks, but not for Sword and Laser. I have read, oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we didn't read it for Sword and yeah. Laser. I just, when did you have time to read that? I read it when I was briefly in another book club. Oh. You know, it was an experimental mm. time for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read a lot of the best novel um, nominees. Yeah, I read kind of exciting. three. I read four of the five. That's pretty good. Well, we read the Goblin Empire, uh, Emperor, and City of Stairs. <laughs> the Goblin Empire <laughs> and City of Stairs by Robert Jackson Bennett. And then I read Area X, although that wasn't our official pick, but it was in the the sequels. Um, yeah, well, I guess I the whole trilogy got nominated, so Walton that counts. Uh, yeah. The only one I didn't read was Joe Walton's My Real Children. Which I do want mm. to read. That is something. I do want yeah. to read that as well. We're taking a little break on vaginal fantasy, so I'm actually getting some time to oh, you, to read yeah. things. You can actually yeah. pick a book to read. I can I can read like whatever the world you know what is I'm, my oyster. You know what it's my book oyster. I'm reading The Lost Stars, which is a young adult book in the Star Wars new canon 
like Path to the Force Awakens series. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Hmm. Really good. Like surprise like I'll read it because it's young adult and it's interesting. Really, really good. It's set cool. in the period of before and right after the first movie. Or the you know, episode four. And you're rewatching all the movies also. I am. I am. Uh I'm having a lot of fun doing that. It uh good. should I can I can I promote that? Yeah, go ahead. Pretend I'm Dumb About Star Wars is a limited run podcast that you can find at TomMerritt.com. Go to TomMerritt.com and look in the navigation for P-I-D-A-S-W, Pretend I'm Dumb About Star Wars, in which I try to look at the movie as if I've never seen Star Wars, and I've seen it a million times. But uh, I'm like, okay, if I were looking at episode one and pretending it was meant to be seen in that order, what would I think of these characters? And I just watched episode two yesterday and i had a blast and here's the thing i had found new appreciation for episode one the phantom menace which i've always thought Mm -hmm. of as the worst of the movies when i watched it i i found new lows of my appreciation for episode two in my rewatch wait new lows like i always thought oh attack of the clones wasn't that bad there's that weird field scene oh no that story doesn't make any sense I should listen to this. That would be fun. Uh, yeah. So that episode two episode of Pretend I'm Dumb About Star Wars comes out later this week. But the Phantom Menace episode is already in there. TomMerritt.com. Uh, congratulations, anyway, to David Mitchell for the Bone Clocks. Uh, Daryl Gregory for We Are All Completely Fine, the winner of the Novella Award. Uh, Do You Like to Look at Monsters? The Short Story Award goes to Scott Nicolay. And uh, we could keep going because there's lots of winners. But congratulations to them all. All right, well, we are cruising right along. Whew, long episode so far, but let's jump right into Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Real quick email here, uh, this one from Paul, who writes in to say uh, about an interview with Shannon Mieville. He said, after my mention in episode 225, I will follow up with another reference to the BBC. I listened live to the first five minutes and wanted to stay in the car. Luckily, I have it waiting with your podcast for me in the future. And this is a, first of all, Shannon Mieville, Looks like a badass, awesome in dude. In that the screen, in this picture, that picture that yeah. they use on the BBC site, yeah. Yes. He looks like he, he looks could like just he take you down with us. his eyes. Yeah, it's like it's like freaking me out, handsome, like a little intimidatingly handsome. But I'm just, you know, I'm just. It's, he's staring into my soul in this picture. Is what I'm trying to express to you. I, I, I don't. I don't Is think, he staring into your soul? I don't soul? recommend you leave this web page up on your browser or your soul will be eliminated. Yeah, and that, that could be his next book. Also, <laughs> it might way. be. <laughs> a moldy one. That would make sense. Uh, this is, yes, it's a, it's a great interview over on uh, the BBC Book Club page for uh, BBC Radio 4. Uh, it's about The City in the City, and it says, uh, Fantasy writer Chyna Mieville talks about his novel, The City in the City, a crime thriller set in a parallel world with James Naughty and a group of readers. And I'm going to listen to this. I think it's it's going to be pretty fun because I, I think he's a wonderful author. and. Gosh, I wish I worked for the BBC. They're so cool. They do so much cool stuff. Why don't we have anyone like the BBC doing fantasy and sci-fi stuff like this in the States? You hear that, PBS? <laughs> PBS needs to step up its game is what I'm saying. Enough. Okay, we get it. Downton Abbey's awesome. Sherlock, great. Oh, Downton Abbey's so good. I mean, not to say that I'm watching the new season right now. Because of Downton Abbey? That well, that, you couldn't possibly because illegal? you live in the United States. But if you had to guess. Killing it. Yeah. 
killing it this season. So I can't possibly season, agree with you I on that because is good. how could I? How could you possibly? I mean, <laughs> All right. I don't know if she should take over editorship, but kind of think she should. <laughs> hey, uh, so <laughs> where should we go next? Let's talk about the book. Uh, so if you guys uh, aren't caught up on our book pick uh, uh, this month, with his, uh, which is uh, uh, Time and Again by Jack Finney, which was your pick, Tom. Well, it was the people's pick. I merely shepherded it with uh, a limited amount of picks for the patrons who narrowed it down to three and then time and again won the vote. I have to say, uh, this was the one I was not the most interested in reading out of the ones that were put into the vote. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad it won. I'm loving it. I am having the best time with this book. Okay. So no spoilers. This is going to be a spoiler-free discussion yeah. because we're mid-month right now. I mean, right if now, you're the so kind of person contented. who feels like we say there's snow in a scene and you're like, whoa, spoiler, whoa. then you should stop listening. But no, we're not going to spoil plot points. Just so you know, there is time travel in the book. <laughs> and again, is also in the book. I just want you to know that we will, we will mention the fact that time travel happens in this book uh let's start off with christina's thread because i actually started a similar thread and a different take on goodreads and i've been thinking about this a lot christina says i think this book falls more into historical fiction than sci-fi but regardless of genre i'm really enjoying it i love looking up places and people from stories like this and have found some cool links and she's got a link about world building a link about the dakota uh the building in in new york and uh Mm -hmm. dakota apartments for sale uh, off streeteasy.com if you want to like do a little shopping. Whoa, cool. Yeah. So this is fun because a lot of crazy stuff has happened in the Dakota. I mean, I guess it's bound to considering it's been around for so long. Um, but she also linked to these uh, these crazy facts, 15 crazy facts about New York's most exclusive buildings. Spoiler. Spoiler, this the Dakota is This is history is that actually happened. This is a thing that happened in the real world. John Lennon was shot in front of the Dakota. Yes. That's what that's I know a big it one. for. Like the, when I think of the Dakota, that's the thing I think of. is It's a, histor- a historical site because at the second fact, I didn't know Yoko Ono still lives there. Still lives there. Still lives there. Um, okay. The building has no fire escapes, which seems like maybe they should have brought that up to code. In the like over 100 years it's been around. Yeah. How, I mean, okay. It says that the builders uh, slathered mud from Central Park between the layers of brick flooring to fireproof it. Is that still code, though? I don't know if that's still code. Maybe it's some, like, arbitrary, like, old New York law. Who knows? Uh, but there's a picture of the Dakota from 1890, which is the, the period yeah, that uh, Sai after. goes back to. Yeah, roughly. Um, this is... Uh, it, it, wow. It has had zero vacancies for 45 years after it opened. So it was completely full. Gosh, it's so beautiful. Um, but I, I love the... I, I'm going to talk more about oh this in, in the next thread. What? What time? What? I just looked... Okay, so there's five apartments up for sale, one of which is in contract. Uh, the first listing, and not all of these are, are this way. The first listing, nine rooms, four beds. So your typical nine four <laughs> for $17.5 million. Oh, my God. Well, if you think about it, that's what Sai was talking about, how when, when they were looking at the Dakota, he, he then couldn't believe, he from the 70s couldn't believe how big these apartments yeah. were. It, it was just kind of mind-blowing. There is a two-bedroom up, 9.5 mil. 
$9.5 Which is more expensive than the other two four bedrooms. Well, they say rooms, not bedrooms. So maybe that's the difference. Maybe the two bedroom is actually a four room, but only two bedrooms. I don't know. So something I love about this book is how descriptive everything is. You really get a sense of being in that place, in that moment, the way it's described. And I really want to go back and, and, and figure out what research Jack Finney did into the world of, um, I'm sorry, it was 1896, 1882. 1892. 1882. I knew, you know, as they said what date he was going back to, I said, I'm going to forget what date that is when I have to talk about it on the <laughs> podcast. Well, and, and I still didn't make an effort to remember I want to get it. this out of the way because I totally agree with you about the historical experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is historical fiction, although I can see the argument for it and I don't think it's unreasonable. Uh, it's also not science fiction, and that was the thread I started, which is like, mm-hmm, hey, is mm-hmm. this this isn't really science fiction, and I'm not going to get spoilery and talk about the mechanism, but the mechanism by which time is traveled in is not scientific. And they well, some people even argued that it was more fantastical. Yeah, it, this, that it really feels more like fantasy. This could be easily be a fantasy. He throws some physics around when he's talking about the time travel, but yeah. in the end, it really becomes a fantasy. Uh, at the same time. It's just a brilliant piece of time travel in the, in in that you can you can really feel like you were just about to say okay. that you're in 1882. I want to talk about this next thread because I think this kind of launches me into all my strong feelings about the book. This is by Todd. He says, "I'm a good chunk of the way through the book, a little more than 6 hours or sorry, a little 6 hours left in the audiobook, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, one of the unintentional things I especially like is what I'm calling meta time travel." Size observing slash marveling on the things that change in New York City, such as the skyline, and things that remain the same, such as the Dakota. But as the book was written in 1970, the thing that I, and I would imagine many people in 2015 would associate with the Dakota, the murder of John Lennon, hadn't happened yet. And as far as the skyline goes, the Twin Towers didn't go up until a couple of years later. So I find myself both agreeing with Sai's observations on the 1880s, as well as marveling at the differences between his modern world and my own. And this is exactly what I was thinking listening to this book. I'm also doing the audiobook, which is wonderful, by the way. I feel like the way Sai is traveling back, I too am traveling back to the 1970s. Yeah. And seeing it in the same way that he's seeing the 1880s, even though there's such a big, there's still a pretty big gap there. <laughs> because the way they talk about women and the way they talk like, oh, that's just great or that's just swell and blah, blah, blah. The way they describe like going there's a half for a pot of Silex and her- and, uh, with coffee in it. Do you want some? <laughs> yeah. And like chewing on a cigar and blah, blah, blah. Actually, the, I- <laughs> this is uh, this is a very, very inconsequential spoiler i'm going to describe the clothing a character is wearing at one point in the book but there is mm-hmm. a point where he goes to a, a house and the woman answers and and as if to emphasize that he's back in the present and he's modern he talks about she was wearing orange pants and a turtleneck and i'm like wow she's almost 60s like yeah but it's 1970 <laughs> so it's like perfectly modern clothing for her so I, I love that. I think it's wonderful because I really feel like I'm also 
time traveling by hearing this and, and the way the descriptions are so lush, even in the descriptions of things from the 1970s, I'm having a similar like kind of joyful reaction that Cy has when he goes back to New York of the 1880s. Now, hold on a minute. Here's one thing, and maybe New Yorkers can email us and, and clear this up. Uh, he talks about the elevated railway in certain points in the, in, in the sense that it is still around in 1970. And maybe I'm just misinterpreting what he's saying, but I was like, oh, I don't remember the elevated railway still being around. But then again, I wasn't visiting New York in the 70s, so maybe it went away in the 70s. I guess it ended in the Bronx in the 70s, but as far as I can tell, all the Manhattan lines went away in the 50s. Uh-oh. Because I've taken the train the L. from New York City. Oh, okay. Not the not the subway. Not the not the Amtrak. And, not, and yeah, and not the other lines like the path or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the mm -hmm. Third Street Elevated Railway. Yeah, I don't know because I've never lived in New York. So I mean, that's I haven't either. That's common cool. knowledge to me. So if someone wants to clear that up for us, tell us about the elevated railways of New York City, the L. Yeah, that's the only thing that's ever made me go, well, wait a minute. I was, my wife uh, was living in New York for a month last year. So I spent a little bit of time there. And I was like, there's no L. And I don't hear people, and I went to New York a few times over the years. I'm sure you have too, Veronica. And I'm like, I don't remember elevated railway in Manhattan. Mm. But again, mm -hmm. that is the minorest thing. And it's probably me misinterpreting something uh, because everything else just, feels perfect but there is a lot of there is a lot of like weird women secretary like from sexual the from the 1970s kind of stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah that just kind of is like oh it's you I, know that dates it a little I'm bit i'm curious but because I, I hear you are a woman i'm told that i don't see gender yes uh, yes and i don't see gender <laughs> from, from it feels to me like there's actually less sexism in the 1880s sections than there are in the 1970s section and not to say that the 1880s are absent of it but it feels like i don't know like no yeah I, like it feels like people people in general are more respected in the way he describes the 1880s yeah they just they just treat each other more respectfully and that's obviously a full stop filter we're not saying it mm -hmm. was like that but that's the way he interprets it for sure yeah yeah um i'm i'm super enjoying it i've got myself another I think I have nine hours left of the audiobook, but I feel like I've come a long way. Like I, I, I'm pretty convinced that someone is going to show up again in the near future. Have you finished the whole thing? No, you're done, no, aren't no, you? No, I'm eight, no, I'm eight hours okay. away from the end of the audiobook, so I'm oh, just okay. So in we're, front we're of actually you. pretty yeah. close. Um, I, I'm just at the part without the ladies' mile, mm -hmm. and they see the thing in the park that was surprising mm -hmm. to Sai. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm just about there. That that was a fantastic like I had no idea. That was one of those moments where I'm like, is that true? You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, absolutely. It was true. And and the idea that uh something and he does this in a few different ways. Things that we consider old and established didn't even exist, or if they did existed in an entirely different way. Um mm -hmm. and, and some some non spoilery little things are like the collectibles that he talks about that everyone has that yeah. aren't even collectible anymore. I mean, maybe they are. I'm sure everything is collectible in some way, but uh, it's not even something in our public consciousness and was all the rage and inspired like people to play games around it and everything. Right, right. Yeah, that like weird charades knockoff yeah, yeah. that they were playing. That was confusing. 
I was sitting <laughs> like, there wait, thinking like, oh my gosh. Aren't you just playing charades? I play, I, I'm like, what would I do? And obviously he's an artist, so it makes sense for him to do something art-wise. But if I were in that position, I was like, what would I do? I'm like, I'd probably do 20 questions because that's something mm-hmm. we still do. And it was in A Christmas Carol. Oh, that, so that's how you would so base I'd be all like, your... okay, it's it's definitely they're definitely going to know it because it predates uh, this era. But I also mm-hmm. know how to play it. I would do so poorly as a time traveler to that era. I would not know anything. I would just have to keep my mouth shut the whole time. Like I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. Well, oh well. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, because I am just a woman. <laughs> what do you I could know? Apparently, run a boarding house though. Oh, geez. and look for a man with prospects. Man with, I gotta find that man with prospects. I don't want to end up a, a an old maid, a spinster. Yeah. I don't want to be a spinster. Me either. Is that right? Uh, that's just great. I. That's just great. I, I think Finney did a fantastic job of capturing an era that he didn't live in. And I, I imagine if we could possibly put a person from the 1880s down, that they would find things that are like, well, that's not really right. Uh, but, but overall, I imagine they would find fewer things uh, than not. Because, I don't know, it just has that sense of verite about it. Basing, I'm basing that on descriptions of eras that I have lived in, like the 70s and 80s, and saying, oh, yeah, that, that's the way you describe it when you know what you're talking about. So, in case you're curious, uh, celebrities do not get special treatment at the Dakota Notable celebrities who have been rejected by the Dakota Co-op Board include Melanie Griffith oh. and Antonio Banderas. Oh. Cher. Why Cher? Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Oh, I could understand that. Madonna. Yeah, parties. Carly Simon, also oh. parties. Yeah, maybe. Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, Sex yeah, parties. And steroids. <laughs> Judd Apatow. Huh. Okay. And and nice little Tia Leone. Tia Leone? Yeah. Huh. Why? I know something we don't. Mm, anyway, curious. <laughs> Do you think we could get one though, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely have ten million dollars to, to well, buy a condo. There with. is a new level on the Sword and Laser Patreon. Oh, can you imagine? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about wraps up our discussion of time and again by Jack Finney uh, for this for this, time. For, this yeah. uh, for this week. Yeah, we're gonna we will continue. We'll do the real wrap up at the end of the month. Um, I'm loving it so far. I know it's not a typical sci-fi tale, but I think it's really fun and it's beautifully written and I'm enjoying it. I think that's what has captured me is that it's, it is genre fiction. It is not just mainstream literature because it Mm -hmm. is a fantasy about moving back and forth through time, right? It's not, it's not Mm -hmm. a love story Mm -hmm. where like, oh, we've, we've, you know, removed our love across time. Although there are elements of that. I mean, it is definitely a genre fiction story, but it is in some ways more fantasy, in some ways you could argue more historical fiction, and there are science fiction elements to it. So I think it fits squarely in Sword and Laser Land. That is just a beautiful attempt to recapture a lost time, and I think it's great. And I love that people on on Twitter were saying that their parents loved this book, and now they're reading it, and they get it, and they love it also. And I I just think that's fun. And it's a love letter to New York City, too. Uh, Oh, yeah. I was talking to Jenny Josephson, who produces the Daily Tech News show, grew up in Manhattan, uh, and I was like, do you know the, the book Time and Again by Jack Finney? She was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and it, she's like, it's my stomping grounds. Like, it's it's wonderful. 
Nice. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Um, as always, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Give a little, get a lot of show. We love our patrons. They get special stuff like this month's monthly silliness that we will be posting up tonight as well. Yeah. Uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to books we talk about and some of our favorite picks at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Click on any of those links. We get a cut of the sale. Even if you don't buy that book, if you just go buy a television, you get a cut of that too. You get a cut of that too sometimes. Um, you can also get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157sword6. And hey, if you are enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us find other cool sci-fi fantasy fans who may enjoy the show as well. Yeah, they'll ask you to, to leave a review. Just just do the star rating. You don't have to re- read a review. Instead, uh, explain your favorite thing about 1882. Yes. Or how you would earn all that money to live at the Dakota. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time.